listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to a new episode. The Sixers have won five straight, not an impressive one, over the lowly Orlando Magic on Wednesday. We'll jump into that, but before we do, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. we got a ton of talented writers that have you covered for all things Sixers. One of the men behind the magic there, Mr. Paul Hudrick, joining me for this one. Paul, a 116-106 win over the magic. Ugly, but a win's a win. When you're looking back at, at this one, Joel Embiid, 31 points. He's now scored 31 in five straight games. Of coincides with the Sixers winning streak, seven of, of their last eight. Uh, big game from Seth Curry as well. We didn't see Tyrese Maxey. Shake Milton, Matisse Thibault, who seems like he's in the league's health and safety protocols for the 47th time this season. <laughs> but you're looking at this right now. Um, what were your thoughts on on the win in Orlando for the Sixers? And now, again, not convincing, but they're starting to get on a bit of a roll here. For sure. Uh, yeah, it's not pretty. It's not, you know, it, it wasn't a win that you're going to look back on later down the road and say, hey, remember that that great road win in Orlando? I mean, not nothing like that, but. It is a win is a win. And Doc actually pointed out, and it's actually fair that he pointed this out, that that Orlando team is scrappy. Uh, they they gave Boston a really good game. Uh, they gave the Chicago Bulls an, a really good game. I think they lost by like single digits to both of those teams. Um, so, you know, they, they fight. They're not a team that, that you're just going to walk in and, and beat. And, you know, I, re- I love Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony is a guy that I thought the Sixers could possibly have targeted when they got when Tyrese Maxey fell into their laps. I thought. Anthony was the guy who would be more likely to fall there, but it didn't work out that way. But I think both teams are happy with the way it did work out. Um, and Franz Wagner, man, that, that kid can play. He's yeah, he really, really good. I, I know Embiid was really complimentary of him post game. And Mo Bamba looked really good. I mean, they, they and I, I'll say their coach, too, uh, Jamal Mosley's done a, a terrific job. They, they do. They play hard. They play tough. So, yeah, it, it wasn't the prettiest win on the Sixers calendar. It wasn't a you know, it wasn't any kind of statement win. It wasn't anything they're going to put on the resume, but it's a win at the end of the season. It's going to be one of the many that they, they put up there. And, um, you know, Joel Embiid wasn't crazy dominant or ridiculous, but he was himself enough. Obviously, as you mentioned, another 30 point performance, Seth Curry, uh, um, you know, really embracing kind of this point guard role that he's gotten to play with Maxi kind of in and out of the lineup with shake Milton being in and out of the lineup. They've used him more, he had 12 assists last night. And if you look over, you know, his last, I, I don't know, dozen or so games, his assist numbers have been trending upwards. So maybe Doc has kind of tapped into something here with, with Seth as, as a passer. I thought Joel Embiid rolled twice, which I know doesn't shouldn't sound like a big deal for an NBA big man to roll twice off a pick and roll, but it is for him because it's not something he does often. It's not something that he appears to enjoy doing, but he did it. Um, and I think it helped Seth a lot too in, in finding those. I thought it was, a bounce back game for Tobias Harris as well. He had 22, nine of 19 from the field. I think three of six from three. I, his post game comments I thought were were outstanding. It was very professional, very classy comments about you know how he allowed his you know frustrations to boil over and about how he still loves the fans. And you know I I, I thought he really put a bow on all that. And I think everyone could just move on from that and and you know hope that he is now trending in a good direction. And then I I think we have to talk about too, Jazz the. The, the Joel Embiid, Andre Drummond front yeah. court at one point that Doc Rivers decided the wrong. It won them the game, um, which is crazy to think about. I mean, they were getting crushed on the boards. That was a, a big part of the reason why it was a game. Uh, Doc Rivers goes to that lineup, kind of has Andre Drummond in that dunker spot, and it worked. Um, they no longer got beat on the boards. They defensively, I thought they were that was their easily their best stretch. 
Um, Doc Rivers made the joke that they had nothing to run offensively because they just never work with that lineup. So they didn't have any offensive sets. They just scored because both guys played well. So very, you know, hats off to Doc for going to a really unconventional lineup. And it worked really well. It's to me, that was a stretch of the game that won them the game. See two things here, Paul. Number one, see Doc Rivers, you can make adjustments in a game. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's going to help. And and, then I agree with you. I mean, you know, looking at how much uh, I think coming into this one, I was reading that, Embiid and uh, and Drummond had spent less than one minute on the court together so far this season. So obviously that was a big, a big thing. But glad to see him make the move, and and maybe go against his his normal set of rotations. And also, yeah, Doc, what else are you going to call a team that's seven and thirty one coming into this game? You know what I mean? They're now seven and thirty. <laughs> You're going to say they're scrappy. You're not going to be like, damn, the Orlando Magic, oh, they're a crappy team. But um, no, I'm with you. I, I think looking at the at the bigger picture for this one, and, and you mentioned Seth Curry's um, playmaking abilities. He had, like like I mentioned, off the top 12 assists. You're looking around at this. It's been pretty good for the Sixers to be able to get contributions from everyone. And I talked about this on on, on a podcast I did on on Tuesday, is that, you know, the Sixers are in a position here where they have a lot of nice pieces to fill out the rotations in terms of coming off the bench. Like, you know, thank goodness we, I know Ferk is getting extra minutes, but, you know, he had 20 in the win last night too, but it seemed like for a month there, he was just completely invisible nobody could you know he was terrible and then and, and his his minutes were cut back accordingly but you're looking around at this team and he mentioned Tobias Harris had a better game um they have a lot of nice pieces but still lacking I think that true number two guy behind Joel and 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 you're looking at Embiid and I think as this continues you know they'll he's going to get more and more into the MVP conversation the Sixers record I think at 21 and 16 is hurting that conversation. But like I said, they have a bit of an easy schedule again for this week. They're going to get on a roll here where they're going to be able to climb up the standings. And you're looking around. I mean, you know what? You'd give DeMar DeRozan. Obviously, Steph Curry, I think, is probably at the at the, at the the top of the list right now. But when you're looking at what the Sixers can do, let's just say, hypothetically, we'll we're going to jump into some Ben Simmons trade talk uh, shortly here. But when you're looking at what the Sixers have right now, and you're looking at this with, okay, clearly Joe is number one. In the, in the pecking order on the roster. Depends on who you have. Number two, it could be Tyrese Maxey some games, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, but you have those three guys. And then you got, you know, Danny Green, Shake Milton. You, you have a pretty strong roster in terms of having depth. But when you look at the Sixers as they're constructed right now, Paul, what, what do you think the ceiling is for this team? Let's just say they don't make another move and, and this is a roster they go with. Everybody's healthy. Come time for the playoffs. How far do you think this squad can get as, as is right now? First, I want to say I, you know, Furcock Corkmaz, I'm glad you mentioned his name because he also, he did not shoot well in the first half, but he was very big in the third and fourth quarter as well. Hit a couple of big threes, made a couple of big shots and a big plays to, to kind of get them um, kind of right the ship there and get them some offense when they were really struggling on that end of the floor. So definitely Corkmaz uh, is a guy the last two has been much better after a really, really, really tough stretch for a while there. So I definitely want to mention his name, but I think what you're saying, Jazz, is on point, And I think it's a big reason why a lot of people ask, why has Daryl Morey not pulled the trigger? Like, why Like, why have they not just moved on? Um, even apparently the, the head of the Players Association now, uh, Michelle Roberts, is wondering why they are not just moving on. And I think your point is why. I think they have a lot of good pieces. They have depth. Uh, and it's something that is the result of, of very good drafting. When you look at Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel, although that was a trade, but it clearly it was a guy they targeted in the draft. Uh, Shake Milton, Furkan Korkmaz. Uh, Isaiah Joe, these these are homegrown guys that they drafted, and they and for you know I mentioned Ferk as well. Um, so you know 
I, I think their depth is a big reason why you haven't seen a, a trade because they're they're not interested in more good pieces. They want a a great piece, and I, I think that's the issue here. Is that great piece just quite frankly really isn't available, or the or the pieces that maybe you would classify as great don't fit. Um, you know, what, you look around the league. Damian Lillard is not available, and there's a chance he might even get abdominal surgery and be out for the rest of the season. Uh, Bradley Beal currently, right now, as of today, as of January 6th, is not available. Maybe that changes. Uh, same with a guy like Jalen Brown. So, I mean, there are guys that could be available, but just maybe quite aren't yet. And then other guys like, you know, Adamana Sabonis with the Pacers, it, it's, it's a weird fit with Joel Embiid, quite frankly. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's very nice that they played Embiid and Drummond together last night, and it happened to work. And I think even in the regular season, Embiid and Sabonis could take you pretty darn far. I think they could win a lot of basketball games just with that talent increase. But I think as the playoffs go on, that fit would be a little bit awkward and a little bit clunky. So I think what you're touching on is the reason why Ben Simmons is still here. Daryl Morey isn't interested in good players. Um, he's interested in great a great player that could play alongside Joel Embiid. And then to kind of answer your question about where they are, I think that's another um, layer to this is that Right now, I think they are a second round, as constructed, I think they are a second round team. I think they can get, they are no worse than fourth in the conference. I still stand by that. I think, the, you know, clearly the, the Nets and the Bucks are the class of the conference. Maybe you put Miami third. Um, Chicago is a team that I think is, is very good, but the Sixers have already beaten them twice. And I do think that they're going to see some regression as the season goes on. I think they're a good team, not a great team. So I still think that I still stand by that. I think the Sixers are no worse than the fourth team in the in the conference. And I think they're a second round exit. I think that that's their ceiling right now as they're constructed. So if you're Daryl Morey, you have to make a trade that you believe makes you better than that. Because otherwise, what are you doing? You know? So I think that's the the tightrope that kind of Morey is trying to navigate. And I think those are the biggest factors as as to why Ben Simmons is still a Philadelphia 76er. See, I, I, you're going back to Chicago, Paul. I like DeMar DeRozan. I like Lonzo Ball. I like Zach Levine. But they give me like 2015 Atlanta Hawks vibes. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be they're, they I might have a good regular season. The conference isn't as weak as it was then that they'll get to the conference finals. But I'm with you. I think it's I think it's the Nets, the Bucks. Obviously, Kyrie made his debut um, on on Wednesday for the uh, for the for, for Brooklyn. So they're going to be uh, getting better. And as they get their chemistry going and, and he gets, you know, into uh, although he played pretty well, had 22 points, but I mean, you're looking at, at that team, but I, I'm with you. You're looking around at, at the conference. Like I like Miami. I think they're going to be a scrappy, tough team to, to see scrappy. That's <laughs> thank you. Doc Rivers, <laughs> for helping me describe that, but I think they're going to be another team um, that the Sixers have to worry about, but I, I'm with you. I think, you know, if they can take advantage and, and you're looking at the, at the upcoming schedule, their next 15 games, Paul, they only play two teams who are um, in a playoff position, not a play in position in a playoff position. One is the geriatric Lakers uh, who are sitting in six now in the Western conference. And then they got one game too. against, against Miami and that's it. Right. So you're looking at this schedule coming up and we mentioned how they kind of have had, had failed to, I mean, mind you playing without your best player in, in Joel Embiid um, that obviously is going to have a toll on any team in the NBA, but this is going to give an opportunity for the Sixers to climb back up into the conversation for potentially having the best record in the Eastern Conference. So that's one thing I do want to keep on keep an eye on now as we get up towards the trade deadline, which is on February the 10th. The Sixers have a, have a very favorable schedule. And if you're looking at the imbalance of it all, and, and we know this, that teams tend to be better at home in the NBA than they are on the road, you're looking at the Sixers. They only played 15 of their 37 games at home so far. 
So they're going to start having this, the you know, more time in Philly, more time at Wells Fargo, where they're going to be able to hopefully rack up some wins and get into the conversation with the Bulls, the Nets, and the Bucks at the top of the East. Uh, you did mention the Ben Simmons stuff about the roster. Let's jump into Sam Amick of The Athletic, his report, um, where he detailed some of the recent trade talk in the NBA, and he did touch on Simmons as well. So we'll do that after a short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and we're back. Paul, we're talking about um, the Sixers roster, and we said they're they're very good. And you mentioned that Daryl Morey's not interested in good basketball players. He's interested in great basketball players. So... I don't know if this is, would constitute as a great basketball player, but Sam Mamek of The Athletic came out with a report saying that the Sacramento Kings, who are... Can we agree on this, Paul, that they are the worst franchise in the league? Is that a fair <laughs> statement? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to argue with the results, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they haven't they haven't been in the playoffs yeah. for uh, going on you know sixteen seasons now, sixteen years now. So, um, I think that's a that's a fair assessment. When you're when you're looking at this squad, um, and Amick mentions that they're looking at making some some deals and and looking at making some some moves in terms of trying to at least maybe get in a play-in game or, or or something at the at the most. The the Kings right now currently sitting outside the play-in picture, only half a game behind um, the San Antonio Spurs, but. Uh, he mentioned Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox, who's on a max deal right now, and Tyrese Halliburton, obviously, in his second season in the league. But you're looking at at that as a potential package for Simmons. What do you think of either of those players? I know we've touched on this before, but now we're going to start getting some more rumors uh, swirling around the NBA about trade talk because things are starting to calm down at least a little bit in terms of having to you know sign emergency players given how the Omicron thing has, has kind of decimated rosters around the leagues, but you're looking at, at De'Aaron Fox and, and Tyrese Halliburton. What do you, what did you think of that when you, when you read this and, and does that move the needle for you at all in terms of, okay, like we mentioned, if they get a Tyrese Halliburton and maybe some future assets in terms of a, a first round pick or two, would you be happy with that return for Ben at this point? Yeah. I, I, to start with Fox, you and I have talked about Fox before. And like I was told, you know, before the season started, that Fox was a guy that they had no interest in. And so I can't imagine with the season he's had so far that that view has changed. I, I just don't think he is a guy that they view as a as a fit uh, with Joel Embiid because he's, you know, he's not a, a, a great three point shooter um, defensively. He's 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 just very poor on that end of the floor. So I just don't see how that works when you consider how he'd have to fit with Joel Embiid as a non-shooter, and then also how he'd have to fit in a backcourt with a Seth Curry as a non-defender. Um, I, I don't know how that would work. So I think that's part of the reason. And also the redundancy a tad with Tyrese Maxey, who I think you could already make an argument. Tyrese Maxey's already a better shooter than Tierra Fox's, yeah. um, which is crazy to think about. And I think that their skill set is a little redundant. I actually think that potential-wise, I could see Max and also Maxi plays defense. He's a pretty darn good defender and he shows a lot of effort on that end. So I think you could make the argument that at some point Tyrese Maxi might become a better version. He's not right now, but he might become a better version of De'Aaron Fox. So it, does that make sense in a trade to me? No, it does not. And then on top of that, um, you know, w when you look at the rest of the roster, 
the Halliburton one is one that it's it's intriguing. Now, to me, if I'm being honest, I don't think he moves the needle for Daryl Morey. Um, but when you look at his recent stretch without Darren Fox in the lineup and you see what he's done, he's a pretty darn good player. And it's yeah. a, a guy that a lot of people like is Shea Gilgis Alexander from the Thunder. And I get that. Halliburton gives me a little bit of a similar vibe to Shea Gildas Alexander. I, I think there are some similarities. He's a little bit younger, so not quite as developed and still going to take a little bit of time. And, you know, uh, you're counting on a lot of youth if you're going with Maxie and Halliburton. But I, I will say for me personally, if I get the call from, from Monty McNair and he says, okay, Halliburton, Buddy Heald for Simmons, and that's where the, the trade starts talk, I my interest is peaked. I, I ha, he has my attention at that point. I don't know if that's what gets it done for me, but when I look at Halliburton and what he can do now, and how he can help this team now, and also that he's still a valuable asset that you could perhaps you know y- y- these deals that you're talking about, whether it's Bradley Beal, whether it's Damian Lillard, whether it's Jalen Brown, those talks aren't dead because you still have a really talented young guard in a Tyrese Halliburton uh, that you, that you could dangle to a team. Um, and then on top of that, Buddy Heald. Uh, you know, I know he was kind of a popular target this past offseason. Some people thought, you know, that Tobias Harris, maybe that was a fit there. And I, you know, still maybe in the future wouldn't be a terrible fit in a trade. But um, Buddy Heald has, has been pretty good this year. He, he's kind of gotten lost in the fact that the Kings have been so bad and they're going in a really bad direction. And he does make a lot of money, but he takes over 10 threes a game and makes almost 40%. That is an astronomical number. Yeah. On top of that, I think you you saw, you've seen, uh, if you watch Buddy Heald at all, he's been a little bit better with the ball in his hands, a little bit better off the dribble. And I also think he looks like he's in the best shape of his young career. So if you dangle Halliburton and Heald at me for Ben Simmons, it, it gets my attention for sure. I don't know that it gets it done in Daryl Morey's eyes. But yeah, I would be interested in if in that being the framework of a deal. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Tyrese Halliburton. You look at at his uh, his numbers so far this season. I think he he addresses. And like you mentioned, I think Maxi is going to be just going to get better and better over the next you know three or four years till he kind of hits what he is as an NBA player. But you look at Tyrese Halliburton as a guy who hasn't been the primary ball handler in terms of when he's on the court with De'Aaron Fox. Although he does, I mean, they do alternate, but majority of the time. Fox is a ball dominant one out of those two. He's putting up almost seven assists a game. And you're looking at that where playmaking has been an issue for, for the Sixers from the, from the perimeter. He's a guy that obviously will address that. And I, you know, I covered the Kings um, last season, unfortunately, but um, Tyrese Halliburton (laughs) was, uh, you know, a a big surprise. And and you look at what this guy can do. And just in terms of his three point shooting, he's shooting above 43% uh, for the year from, from deep 41.9% for his career, obviously, as I mentioned, just in his sophomore season. But uh, you mentioned a guy like Buddy Heald, you know, numbers-wise, that could work in terms of his contract. He's, he's not on this on this bloated deal where, you know, again, no disrespect to Tobias Harris, where he's obviously overpaid for what he's producing. You're looking at Buddy Heald only making $20 million next season, then down to 18 in 2023-24 before he becomes a free agent. So I think numbers-wise, that that would give the, the Kings – um, some wiggle room. And if you, you know, the Sacramento Kings have all their first round picks for the next five years. So you might be able to maybe uh, entice Monty McNair to, to give, give in one of those two. And again, then you're looking at, Hey, can we repackage uh, Halliburton plus a Kings pick plus plus to get uh, a big name guy if they do become available in the off season. But if you're looking at that, let's just say hypothetically, Paul, uh, they do make this deal. Daryl Moyes like, all right, you know what? Um, I don't want to waste a, a year of Joel and beats prime. He's playing like an MVP candidate. We got, a, as we mentioned before, we got a ton of depth 
on this roster in terms of guys like George Niang, who, who I think has been a revelation for the Sixers this year. But, you know, you mentioned Shake Milton, Andre Drummond, Matisse Thybulle. You can go down the line, Danny Green, all these proven NBA guys. If they do make a deal, let's say, and they bring in Halliburton, they bring in Buddy Heald, where would you put the Sixers ceiling then? with a roster that is completely healthy going into the playoffs. You mentioned they're a second-round team now. Does that maybe bump them up into a conference finalist? Does that maybe put them in the in the, in the the uh, upper echelon of that you could look at this team and being like, they're going to be in the NBA finals? Where would you put uh, uh, the Sixers with everything, you know, uh, can, all things considered, they're healthy, they're normal, uh, going into the playoffs, but they have Halliburton and, uh, and Buddy Heald? I just want to reference this one stretch by um, Halliburton that I was discussing. Uh, I don't know that all of these games are with, with, without De'Aaron Fox. So this was a recent eight-game stretch. Um, he averaged over 20 points a game, over 10 assists a game, uh, a steal and a half per game, while he shot 51% from the field, 51% from three on 5.6 attempts, and 88% from the line. So I think that's the glimpse of what he can be um, when he's not playing with De'Aaron Fox and he's got the ball in his hand. So just the just to kind of preface what I'm talking about when I see like the potential in Halliburton and what he can be. But yeah, I, I, I think that's the issue jazz and where, where I don't think that Daryl Morey will do this. Uh, it, I, I, me as a person looking at it objectively as a, as a, as a basketball fan and someone who covers the sport, it's something that would intrigue me, but I don't know that Morey does it because I don't think it makes them any better than a second round team. Um, it's possible it does, but that would have, that would have to mean that Tyrese Maxey and Tyrese Halliburton have really figured it out as, as a backcourt, that it all works well with Seth Curry as well, um, that, to your point, Tobias Harris ha- has, you know, done at least somewhat regained his form from last season, that Joel Embiid is healthy and continues to play at the level we've seen, this MVP-type level, and that all these bench guys are, are, are continuing to play well, although heel, throwing yield into that mix definitely helps. So... It, there's just it would be still be too, for me at least it would be too many question marks to say that they are any better still than a second round team. I think that's what they are, but I think they would be a better team than they are today. And again, the possibility of you perhaps moving Halliburton um, in the offseason is not impossible, and maybe packaging him in a deal to get one of those top echelon guys so that next year you come back at it and maybe you're maybe then you're in a discussion where you're no longer a second round team. And then maybe you're a team that could possibly go to the Eastern conference finals and beyond. So Paul, you're, you're basically, you're, you're, you're Daryl Morey's puppet at this point, right? Well, that's what we refer to you <laughs> as that you have to have, you have to have a superstar. You are not willing to accept anything less than that at this point. For, for well, not for me, not for me. No, no, no. <laughs> like I, 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 like I said, if, if I get that call, I would, I would listen. I would not hang up. That framework would interest me. Um, but I, I'm not quite sure it interests Daryl Morey. I'm just, I'm just trying to be honest with what I, from a little bit I have gleaned from the organization, from the people I've spoken to, um, with the way the Sixers are thinking. That, to me, doesn't seem like a deal that they're going to to do, but we'll see what happens. A lot can change. Maybe Daryl Morey was, was, was watching some of those eight games that Halliburton played in, and that piqued his interest a little bit, so who knows? See, I, I, here's my thing too. I, I think I'm looking at Halliburton as a similar piece. Not, I'm, I'm not saying that their games are similar because they're clearly not. But um, Halliburton and Maxi are are two guys that I look at that I, I think are at similar points in their careers, and not in terms Fair. of just like where where yeah. they're like, hey, you know, we're we're second year guys, but you know, both 21 years old. 
And and like I mentioned, like for Halliburton, he has this like, you know how where Tyrese looks like he's just going 100 miles a minute all the time. You know what I mean? Like he's just when he's driving and he's so quick and, and fast. Halliburton's very methodical, right? He'll, right. He'll, he'll try and take his time. He'll read the defense. He's not going to kill you with his speed. But when he turns the corner off a, off a pick and roll, you know, he's, he's slow and he's waiting to see what opens up and he'll find the open man. And I think both of them are similar in the sense that, you know, maybe maybe not next year not two years from now, but three years from now, they'll be knocking on the door of being all-stars. You know what I mean? I don't think they've, no, you know, I think they, that's a perfect assessment. It really yeah, is. No, yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't see them being like, Oh, you know, they, these guys are going to play in, you know, 15 consecutive all-star games or 10, I think, but you know, they'll get to a point where they can play maybe two, three all-star games each at the, at the peak of their careers. And so again, I, I don't think it's a terrible deal, but given the fact that where the Sixers are and where Joel Embiid is as, as clearly the guy, in, in Philly, I, I I think Maury, again, looking at the short and long run, has to make a deal that that maximizes the, the organization's championship window. Uh, Paul, we'll wrap up on this. You're, you're looking at this now. As we mentioned, we're now officially less than five weeks away from the trade deadline. Um, haven't heard a ton. I mean, Sam Amick's report was, was really the most recent one that we've had, and it feels like in forever, but a rumor even mentioning uh, Ben Simmons' name. But when you're, when you're looking at this, do you ultimately... Yes or no? Do you think a deal is going to get done for for Ben before the deadline, or are we looking at this thing dragging out into the offseason? I it's still such a big if to me, uh, because it over the course of the, of those five weeks, the Washington Wizards could lose ten straight games, the Boston Celtics could lose five straight games, and Al Horford and and Jalen Brown could come to blows or something. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's just a lot can happen between then and now. So I, I think it's gonna factor in a lot of what happens with other teams, what happens with other teams around the league. I will say that a, a team like Sacramento imploding and looking to perhaps, you know, blow up their, their foundation only, only serves to help the Sixers because it's just one more team and, and a, a group of more players that could, because, because like may, maybe, maybe we're both right. in that, you know, Halliburton's age, and you know, he doesn't quite fit the timeline, but perhaps he fits someone else's timeline, three or four team trade deal you get the guy you want, you know what I mean? So I mean, it, it's, it's possible that, you know, what do the Washington wizards think of De'Aaron Fox? Maybe they really like De'Aaron Fox. Maybe there's a way you can do a three team deal where Beal comes to the Sixers and they get De'Aaron Fox and some picks or something like it, it's not, I think sometimes we all have a, a tendency to kind of look at things very black and white when there is so much gray. And I, I've said along, I, I really do think it's going to be a super complicated, weird trade with three or four teams, that's going to eventually be the deal. So will it get done at the deadline? I I, I have zero idea. And I don't even think Daryl Morey knows whether or not 100% he's going to pull the trigger <laughs> or not. Because I, I I think, too, the other thing, we've talked a lot about Joel Embiid and his prime and not wanting to waste it. And I get all of that. But you also, you don't want to go all in for this season and then waste the rest of his prime. He is still locked into a long-term contract. And then the other thing I'll say is, Joel Embiid isn't complaining right now. Joel Embiid is fine. He's playing great. The team is winning games. So I think we're all kind of speaking for him as if he is mad or if he is like, he feels like they're wasting his prime when he's given zero indication that that is the case. So I think that's the other thing that's a factor here. I think it's the big, one of the bigger factors is that Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid have a trust level with each other. And I think until it gets, if it gets ugly at some point, maybe that changes. Maybe Joel Embiid goes to Daryl Morey and says, listen, man, you have to get me some help. I can't do this anymore, but I just don't think we've reached that stage. And I don't know that we will before February 10th. Well, maybe they can just sign Antonio Brown, right, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a, yeah, because you know what? I haven't had nearly enough drama in my six years on to report on a guy like that. I just saw in the pipeline that he got he, they officially got terminated. It's like that's not a big yeah. surprise. But uh, no, I, I'm with you. I think I think that you're looking at 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 Joel and and he clearly seems to be. I don't want to say content because who knows? You know, there might be stuff going on behind closed doors, and I'm not insinuating that there is, but. Um, he seems fine. He's like, you know, he loves playing for this team. He loves playing in front of the fans. He loves playing for the organization. So, you know, giving the trust to Daryl, who, as as we've mentioned, you know, maybe not has been the lead architect of a championship squad, damn near almost got there with Houston, but we've seen him go big game hunting. And so um, I, I'm just interested to see how this whole thing is going to play out. And, you know, given what the league has been through in terms of losing so many players to uh, the virus stuff and being in health and safety protocols where, Clearly, that took away attention where, you know, GMs are having to come up with guys who like Isaiah Thomas hasn't played. When's the last time he played the NBA? You know what I mean? And so the focus has been on figuring out that. Uh, I think now we're going to start seeing a little bit more trade chatter. And again, for us, from a content point, which is great. So we're we're looking forward to the next five weeks uh, to discuss the Sixers. That'll do it for this episode. Uh, As I mentioned, we're going to be giving you new episodes pretty much five days a week off the top. So subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Always appreciate a five-star review. Um, if you feel inclined to give us one, if you want to give us a one-star review, that's up to you, but maybe not do it publicly. Uh, also, if you're um, curious, Sean will be back with the Talking About podcast coming up after the Sixers go for their sixth straight win against San Antonio on Friday. And then, Paul, when you're looking at this so quickly, before we do wrap up here, San Antonio, Houston, Charlotte, home against Boston, at Miami, at Washington, home to Orlando, home to the Clippers. Do you think the Sixers can go on a double-digit win streak here? They're already at five. Uh, it's, it seems entirely possible with the way they're playing and and the way, I should say, the way Joel Embiid is playing. And they're kind of, nobody's really in a good place, obviously, as far as injuries and as far as the health and safety protocols. But the Celtics, or the Sixers, are in a, a better place than a lot of other teams because their best players already gone through it and they've already had a bunch of guys go through it. And, you know, hopefully you get Tyrese Maxey, you get my Matisse Thibel back here in the near future. And I mean, they're going to be in pretty good shape as far as that goes. So, and as you mentioned, a lot of games at home, this is a team that has won a lot of home games in the past. So um, yeah, I, I, if it's not a double digit win streak, I could def- certainly see like 10 of 11 or like 11. It's like, I, I think they're very capable of that here in the month of January. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I said, I think they're gonna they're gonna go on a uh, on a run here and climb up the Eastern Conference standings. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. Mr. Paul Hudrick, as I mentioned, one of the people behind the magic you see at libertyballers.com. Also, uh, if you haven't heard yet, Paul and I are doing a live streaming show. You can catch it on Twitter, our YouTube page. That comes up every Monday at noon. So don't forget to check us out there as well. As I mentioned, Sean will be back with the Talking About podcast on Friday. That'll do it for this one. We'll catch up with you all next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.